Hello and welcome to The Lancet Podcast. Richard Lane with you on April the 6th. This week we focus once again on chronic diseases, or, to be more accurate, the non-communicable diseases global health crisis. This highlights how 36 million deaths from preventable diseases could be averted over the next decade if appropriate public health measures were put in place at a national and global level. And there's an important opportunity coming up later this year in which this issue will be discussed at a high-level UN meeting. The update we provide this week is detailed in a health policy article, and one of the authors is Professor Martin McKee from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And I began by asking him to tell us more about the opportunity coming up in the form of UN meeting in a few months' time in September 2011. The United Nations General Assembly convenes heads of state and senior officials sparingly because of the difficulty of bringing them all together, but it has agreed to do so in September in New York to talk about the issue of non-communicable diseases. The proposal was originally put forward by the Caribbean group of states because they've been affected a lot by the rising level of the major non-communicable diseases, and here we're talking about heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, and chronic respiratory disease. These are problems that affect every country in the world. So this will be an opportunity to have the attention of the most senior politicians to address this issue for a few days and hopefully go away with some clear idea as to what they might do individually and collectively to address these challenges. And we've talked previously, and most people should be aware, you've mentioned what those non-communicable diseases are. I think we're pretty clear what the priorities are, but today, April the 6th, online, we do publish, if you like, an update. It's a health policy article, and really it's prioritising, isn't it, in terms of what needs to happen politically, but also in terms of the interventions. Can you go into a bit more detail about the kind of interventions we're looking at? Maybe I could start by saying how they were chosen. Clearly, there's an enormous amount that needs to be done to improve the health of the world's population, and we can't do everything at once. So in looking at what to propose, the uh, group was influenced by what would have the largest effect on health overall, what interventions would be most cost-effective, uh, which ones would be cheapest to scale up to reach a very large part of the share of the population, and which ones would be politically and financially feasible. And that led us to identify a number of key priority areas for action. The first, unsurprisingly, is tobacco control. Tobacco uh, clearly kills many millions of people every year worldwide, and it's an entirely avoidable cause of death. The second is reducing salt in food, which would have an impact particularly on high blood pressure, again a major killer of people. The third is to improve diets and physical activity. So for example, reducing the fat content of food, enabling people to make healthy choices in their leisure time. The fourth is to reduce hazardous alcohol consumption, and that's rather new in this debate. Until now, there's been rather less attention to that. And uh, the final one is to ensure that people do have access to the essential drugs and technology that allow those people who have developed non-communicable diseases to lead as normal a life as possible. In the new paper we published today, there are some interesting figures. You're talking about a reduction in death rate is at 2% per year, which you think could have a, a net effect of saving 36 million lives o over 10 years. Have I got those figures correct? You have, um, and about half of those lives would be by reduced to death 
deaths from cardiovascular disease. This is the culmination of a great deal of work that the Lancet has contributed to over a number of years. Uh, so we can go back, in fact, to 2005 when these uh, figures were originally proposed. And uh, in the intervening period, the Lancet has convened a group of academics from across the world to really build up the evidence base to allow these uh, recommendations uh, to go forward. Uh, calculating the cost of intervening and uh, the health benefits that would accrue from all of that. But this is a, a, a tremendous um, problem that we're facing. I think people sometimes forget just uh, how much of a problem non-communicable diseases are in the poor countries of the world. We typically think of these as diseases of affluence, but of course, now that such major gains have been made in reducing infectious diseases in the less developed world, we're now seeing the emergence of aging populations, but in addition, aging populations that are exposed to many of the risk factors for non-communicable disease, particularly smoking, but also a change to a more Western diet. So there is a, a high priority for acting now uh, in, uh, in all parts of the world. That will be a key message. And just going back to some of the interventions that you've described, how practicable is it to actually implement some of these things because the science is clear we understand very clearly the risk factors posed by tobacco by excessive alcohol by sugary drinks by salty food but the reality is there are some there are some real challenges aren't there to actual implementation for example food pricing and food security there's a lot of discussion now about the cost of food relatively going up and a lot of cheaper foods surely are going to be unhealthy foods. That's absolutely true, but I, we shouldn't overlook what has been achieved, particularly in the high-income countries. Deaths from cardiovascular disease in Western Europe, for example, have fallen by over 50% in three decades. Now, many people would have thought that that was impossible. So I think that the first thing that we need to do is to show what really can be done. These things are not impossible. It just requires a political will to do it. But if we look at areas like uh, tobacco control, uh, I'm from Ireland originally, and uh, many people um, would have thought it inconceivable that uh, Irish pubs could be made smoke-free, but yet they have been uh, with the appropriate political leadership. That can be done in many other parts of the world. We clearly need to work with the food industry to reduce the amount of salt either through voluntary agreements or more likely through regulation, because of course, although we've seen some companies working very effectively to uh, bring down levels of salt and sugar and trans fats and so on, they haven't done that everywhere. We have the examples of countries that have made major achievements. That can be done elsewhere. And concerning the issue of cost, you say the way you chose, if you like, these interventions was because you thought they were practicable, practicable because politically they were achievable and they were affordable. What sort of costs would some of low-income countries be looking at? When we looked at the case of um, scaling up uh, basic treatment for people with cardiovascular disease, we were talking about $1 per person per year. Some of these things, in fact, will cost very little indeed. Reducing the uh, promotion of tobacco will cost uh, hardly anything. That just is a matter of political will. And, uh, for example, introducing bans on, on advertising and uh, some of the promotional techniques. It's true that some of the uh, other interventions will cost a little bit more. Uh, salt reduction will involve change in the production of food and so on, but those we think can easily be uh, contained um, within the profit margins that many of the food companies actually make. And finally, returning to the United Nations meeting coming up in September, what do you think can be achieved 
leading up to the meeting and the action points from it, different governments and and their health health programs must have a clear action plan, surely, if all this very important work is going to be realised. I think a lot has already been achieved and in fact the Lancet paper uh, exemplifies that by bringing together so many people from different backgrounds. It brings together academic researchers, it brings together non-governmental organisations, the International Diabetes Foundation, the World Heart Federation and so on and uh, it is beginning the process of creating a social movement that will start to address non-communicable diseases in the way that we have seen such success with social movements in areas is like the environment. So that's the the first area that has already been achieved, but clearly we need to make sure that that is taken forward. And all of these groups of people uh, from different areas, from different parts of the world, are saying to their political leaders very clearly, we want you to do something about this. And we've indicated what can be done what is feasible to be done, what is cost-effective to be done. We now want you to take those away and implement them, set realistic, feasible, but challenging targets for progress. And then, of course, this community, the NCD Alliance, the authors that have contributed to this and others, will be looking at how they can help to marshal more evidence, evaluate what works and what doesn't work, in what circumstances, building and expanding this coalition at local, national, global level and making a major contribution to monitoring what is done and particularly holding governments and international agencies to account. We'll no doubt be following the progress of this really important global health issue but in the meantime, Professor Martin McKee, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much. Well, many thanks to Martin McKee and to you all for listening. See you next week.